Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Raid, No Rainbows podcast. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to join us today. We know it's going to be a valuable one. We're certainly going to make it worth it. And of course, shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles with Subtle Solution Media for helping to make this podcast possible. I know this episode is going to be a dope one. I know it's going to be a great one. I'm excited to introduce to you personal finance coach, life coach, podcast host, joining us out of Atlanta, Georgia, Sammy Warayat. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Ted. How are you? Doing good. How'd I do with the last name? You did good. We did good. <laughs> I got to let the viewers know. I was stressing about that before we started recording. I had to verify with Sammy like two, three times, but I'm glad we nailed that and the podcast is off to a good start. I want to make sure that our audience and you get well acquainted. I like to let the guests introduce themselves really quick before we jump into mm-hmm. some of the questions. So please, man, take the next few seconds and let everybody know who you are. Sure. So I guess I'll give the Cliff Notes version because I'm sure we'll dive into more as the episode unravels. But I started out, I graduated college when I was younger uh, in 2015. Didn't really know what I wanted to do and just picked a rotational program, ended up bouncing between jobs, always trying to figure out what am I going to keep learning and try to keep things more active in my mind because I didn't really know what I wanted. So I was open to any industry, any role, really, as long as I was continuing to learn and earn money. And then after like you know, four or five years of that, I was like, okay, now I need to have a goal of where I'm going to go out from here because this isn't a long-term solution. Like I can't keep just bouncing between roles. And so I found that money is really important early on. I like to travel and I like to help people with that because I think that experiences are way more important to than things to me. So if other people I know say the same thing, but they're not able to really do the same thing because of their decisions that they make every day, whether that be in their finances, whether that be in their job that they currently work at. So I started doing that on the side as I kept growing my corporate career until earlier in 2021, uh, roughly in June, I was just like, okay, I think I'm at a spot where I don't need to work corporate anymore. I could just do my podcast. I can do the financial coaching and I can live kind of the life that I worked years to try to build and continue to build because it's always a never ending process of keep changing what your life goals are. And now, thankfully, I'm able to, to kind of take a step out of the corporate world, kind of do my own thing and still help people while doing it. So yeah. it's fun. No, that, that's amazing because I think so many of us talk about like, man, I just want to do my own thing or uh, live mm-hmm. a life by design or even a great article I was reading talking about oftentimes the life that we want is easier to obtain if we fully understood what it was that we wanted. Mm-hmm. To your point, a lot of times, so many of us don't get to focus on what we truly want in life because we're so focused on what's right in front of us. That's the money. And money is not everything. It's not the end Mm -hmm. all be all, but we know it is pivotal. It's important. I mean, it's comparable to oxygen. And the fact of the matter Mm -hmm. is we need it to survive. But you kind of come to that realization that money is just one piece of the whole. Elaborate a little bit on that because that's probably something that's really important for so many people to grasp. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of studies like by Gardner, stuff like that, like golden handcuffs, right? Where you have a great job, you maybe like the people you work with even or like the company and it pays well, 
but you have no freedom of time. You can't do the things you want to do after me because you're working too many hours. And there is more to life than just getting a great paycheck because what's the point if you're not going to be able to use it, right? So that I figured that out when I was in a I was in a job where I was getting paid pretty good at the time, or I thought that was pretty good. And I didn't really get to do anything else. The job identity kind of shifted because of the leadership that I was under and I just didn't like it. And all of a sudden that impacted a lot of other things that impacted my mental health because like I identified with how much I made and what I did. And when both of those started being like not in not in congruence, essentially, and then I was like, oh, what am I really like? I started having the existential crisis and you didn't really want to have that in your 20s. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I have to figure out what else is out there. I like to read and I like to go travel and I like to go to the gym. So those things I already knew I had those hobbies and I had the physical health kind of worked on, but I had to figure out what purpose really was. And that's kind of where the podcast I have is about all of them. It's about money. It's about health. It's about purpose. And then it's about the people you surround yourself with those relationships. Because if you're missing any of those anchors, then you'll feel, I guess, a sort of emptiness, right? Or that something's missing. Like I said, I think money is probably the most important. I think you would agree because it is like oxygen. Like you need a certain amount because you won't be able to pay your bills. You won't be able to even think about taking a risk and doing something that maybe isn't as lucrative in the beginning because you're swarmed in debt and you won't have anything to do. So you got to get that work done first. And that opens up the door for you to be able to really explore different types of passions and hobbies. And then that gets, I guess, life gets more fun, but not all people get to that point because they're stuck in the, how am I going to pay my next week's bills? How am I going to do what's going to happen tomorrow? And they're always stuck in that short-sighted mentality, unfortunately. Yeah. And kind of playing that into the next question of that short-sighted mentality, sometimes it's so hard to break because the money problem is the first thing in front of us. That's the only thing that we see. And whatever options, whatever routes, whatever maps somebody puts in front of us, we're still seeing the roadblocks, almost like those limiting beliefs that just won't let us see ourselves in a different position than we're already in. I think it's so important for folks to see themselves outside of their current situation to fully obtain it. But there's this little voice, this annoying little voice in our heads that just keeps nagging towards the contrary. How do we silence that thing? How do we deal with that voice? That's just like, man, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, fear is always going to be like that. I equate those little nagging things or things that anxiety, worry, fear, like I kind of lumped them all together. I know they're all different emotions, but it's all something that's going to hinder you from getting out of your comfort zone. And for me, every time I have one of those things, I just think to myself, like, why am I thinking like that? Is it because I don't think I can do it? Is there like a lack of skill there? Is there a lack of want? Because a lot of people say like, oh, I'd love to be like David Goggins, for example. He lost 200 pounds and started doing all this running, but I don't want to run a hundred mile marathon like him. Like I could say I'd like to be in shape, but I don't want to do what he does. And a lot of people don't identify the true reason of what they're lacking. So sometimes it is just a lack of want, like I'm just not a runner. So that's one thing. And then if it's end up truly like fear of other people's thoughts is the other big one. Then I think about it, like, why does that really matter? And I know we're all social creatures that really want to fit in and stuff, but going for what you want and going for something that you believe in 
is kind of like a magnet that attracts people to you, even though it's kind of maybe contrary opinion. So like mm -hmm. starting the podcast, for example, it's a cool idea, alienates you in some ways, but at the same time, like they look at you and like, oh, okay, wow, Ted, you're chasing this podcast thing. That's really cool. I wish I could do that. Let me gravitate towards you. So in, in effect, that actually brings people closer to you and it, you don't really get that judgment that you may think. So mm -hmm. it's really isolating what type of fear or anxiety that you have and then figuring it out how to counteract that specific one. Because I yeah. think if it's just fear, you're stuck and you don't really know which one it is. Yeah, I mean, I could relate in terms of jumping headfirst into the whole podcast thing and, mm -hmm. and not knowing how I was going to do this, committing to having a guest each and every single time. This was mm -hmm. before COVID and it was in person. And then after when COVID hit, going to Zoom. So literally building the parachute on the way down is what's kept me afloat this whole time. Mm -hmm. And here we are years later. And to your point, there's a community, previous guests that I've had, other shows that I've been a guest on that I'm still kind of communicating with and following these people on social and really growing relationships with because I started yeah. a podcast. So it, it's so true in terms of that journey. And something else you said in terms of the lack of want or, or really, you know, the fear is like, you know, do we want it that bad? Mm -hmm. And I wrote something down this morning and it's the first thoughts that I wrote down today because I made the choice to start working on my book. And the first thing yes. I wrote down was our lives are the accumulation of our choices and our choices become who we are and who we are determines what our lives become, which is why our lives are nice. the accumulation of our choices. So it's just that whole circle. And whenever we talk about growth or personal growth, right, there's that personal aspect of it. I think there's an aspect where you need to look in the mirror and fully understand who you are before you can manifest what it is that you really want. How important is it for self-awareness and for really reflection in that journey of, of kind of like those five things you mentioned that the working out the purpose of the relationships and the money? Yeah, I think it's the most important thing. So like, I like to read books. Well, I don't really even like to read books. I read because I know the impact of it. So mm -hmm. I started out really kind of like not reading books, not really liking it. And then a mentor recommended first things first, because I was like, I need help on time prioritization. And that book by Stephen Covey is one of my favorites still to this day, maybe because it's my first, but maybe because it really resonated with me as well. And I've focused a lot of my reading since then. Now I read like two, three books a month for the past few years. And 90% of them are really related on how to master your own emotions, how to handle certain things, how to really handle internal conflict and less about sales and marketing and business. Because I think that if you know how to handle your reaction to any situation, that'll help you in any category of that you're looking for. So like right now, I think if you see on the video, like I have a rubber band on my arm or on my wrist, and it's something that helps me when I have any self-defeating thought or think that I'm not good enough to mention our fear question a little bit ago, I snapped that rubber band if it's something that thinks that I'm not good enough. And then mm -hmm. I reconfirm it using like, you know, just, I kind of reaffirm that I, I can do it. If I just put in the effort, like podcasting in the beginning, I didn't even know how to edit. And now editing is the easiest part, right? Like that's, yeah. it's a, you just, you get better at things once you try it. But in the beginning, it seems like an insurmountable task. So this rubber band kind of helps stop my emotional rabbit hole of overanalyzing things and over worrying. So just a small example of the level of effort I think everybody should put into analyzing who they are and how they react to things, whether that be their temperament, their, their mood, how they handle conflict, how they handle like crucial conversations such as 
negotiating for pay raises or interviews, Mm -hmm. how to present yourself, all those things will impact your career, your business, your relationships. But it all starts with knowing who you are and how to change a lot of things that you may have gone wrong in your childhood or other areas that shape who you are. Because I do agree with you, like the life events that happen to you shape who you are, which will then shape your future. And it's just Mm -hmm. a cycle like that. Yeah. And it, when we put the intentionality behind it, when we, we start grabbing the steering wheel and deciding where we go and something mm-hmm. you said before about like, you know, these things can be done, but human, we mess ourselves up by talking and limiting ourselves, the ability to do this. And a shout out to one of, one of my mentors, Tim Pecoraro, because I can't take credit for this, but he says, you know, an institution, a strategy, a system is perfect in how it's set up. What messes it up is the people. You know, and his example, he said, you know, kind of like the institution of marriage is perfect. But when you put people in the mix, then things get messed up. And that's the same even with business. When we start a business, the business plan might be perfect, but our execution might be hindered by our emotion, which is why it's so important to learn how to handle that internal conflict. It's something about handling internal conflict. And this is going to start gearing directly towards the millennials that are listening is we grew up in a time that's very unique. I love that you point this out because millennials were kind of sandwiched in between the Gen Zers Mm -hmm. and and the Gen Xers. You know, one spent most of their lives without technology and the others spent their lives with technologies. But the millennials were like, we saw the inception of this, right? Like we got the best of both worlds, you know, grew up in the nineties. (laughs) But because of that, that gives us some unique perspectives and tools when it comes to interacting with social media, because it's not all bad. Mm -hmm. And we're fully aware of some of the mental health impacts that social media can have. We've spoken about that on the podcast, but social media has so much opportunities built within it. I'd love for you to highlight some of that because I know you do some coaching and direction in that realm in terms of how social media could actually be the gateway maybe to the lives that we are so desperate to live. Yeah. I mean, the fact that every business can have a social media platform, every business can have an outreach that you don't really have to be geolocated to market anymore, right? It used to be small businesses have to be in a great area, get a good brick and mortar location, and then build it that way, eventually scale it with other brick and mortars and then build their wealth. But here with social media, you can you know, have the targeted ads, you can connect with people that are across the states, across the country, maybe in different countries and just have conversations and, you know, build relationships through that and build like clients to that even as well. So like a couple of my clients don't even live in Georgia. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. perfectly fine because we could just get on a zoom call and work through it that way. So I wouldn't have connected with them without social media necessarily, because these guys are these guys and girls are random people that I don't really personally know or have never really interacted with outside of it. So it's really beneficial for that to happen. Like a lot of people talk about the hardships, we won't really have to go into it. But the benefit of having a conversation with somebody that may be outside of your circle, but you can have it through a platform is extremely underrated still, I think, even though it's been talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at the possibilities of the accessibility of the people you can communicate with, contact with, mm-hmm. I mean, you have social media influencers who have bigger networks and a larger audience than news industries, like, like mm-hmm. news networks. 
it's amazing some of the potential of the audience you can build, the influence you can have, and that's towards good and bad. I will be a yeah. 100% clear on the on the uh, yin and yang of this, but mm-hmm. you know, for the amount of quote unquote bad that's possible, the the same amount of good is possible, and I am an optimist at heart. So, I do believe in the good. And and you're totally right. Like the machine that was built of social media is perfect in a way. It's just the people who use it. If you use it to build an influencer and then do good influence through that, it's awesome. But if you do it via bad, is that really social media's fault or is that the person that's doing it, right? Or the people that are getting impacted negatively? So from a construct perspective, it's it's a great system. Yeah. With that in mind and with kind of some of the desperation so many of us have for a maybe a lifestyle of intent and a lifestyle by design financially free is a term that we hear so many so many times and it's all over the place and for a lot of millennials and a lot of us we are we are aiming to set ourselves up for comfort or that you know coveted mm-hmm. coveted destination of financially free what exactly does that mean and how does that become attained oh it's going to be attained a bunch of different ways but i guess the first thing we'll define what it is. And technically it's defined as you don't really need to earn another dollar to survive with your bills or whatever you want to do or live your lifestyle. So whether that be pulling out of dividends, whether that be having your annual salary come from cash flow, whether that be a business, a passive income business or real estate or something like that, it doesn't really matter how you get the money, but not working a job is financially free. And then you can either retire or you don't have to, but it's up to you, right? At that point, you don't need that job. So that's that's the real key determining factor if somebody's financially free or not. And, and the way to get it, I mean, is you've seen people do it in a bunch of different ways. Some people do it by investing a lot in the stock market and then having a 4% dividend return. So that's how they kind of, they just pull out of a, a million dollar investment would be like uh, 25K. I believe. So they would need like four or 5 million. That'd be like 100, 125,000 cash. And they live off that and their stock market keeps appreciating their portfolio, but they just live off the dividends. Or you see people with real estate that pays them a couple thousand a month and that's how they live off that. How to achieve it? I think the best way, in my opinion, is to have a stock market and then push that into real estate. That's at least my goal. Why is that your goal? One of my questions was going to be like, what do you recommend? What would probably mm-hmm. be the most efficient for folks? And, you know, I mean, not that we're in competition. I believe in abundance, right? But mm-hmm. that's kind of where my thought process is. I always have the joke where I'm like, you know, risk is a budget line, right? You know, mm-hmm. you can have, I know a lot of people who speak about, you know, cryptos and NFTs and all that. Not that I'm ignoring that. There's some dabble in that, but there's security in what works and and what I've seen right. in others. And I've kind of leaned the stocks and real estate route as well. I'm curious to know your thought process in that and why you've kind of gone that route. Yeah. I mean, I think I just started doing 401k and all that stuff when I first started graduating, not really know anything about the market, but just put it in ETFs, put it in index funds, let it grow. And so I had a pretty good lump. And then I started trading with it, learning how to trade this past year and a half. So I got more comfortable with it. I've tried real estate. I've tried like Airbnb. I tried renting uh, like a single family. I'm not good enough with my hands to know how to fix and flip. Like not necessarily saying that I would have to do it, but even to know what the contractors are talking about. So I wouldn't get taken advantage of it. It's not something that interests me. So, and I was looking for side hustles and things that I could scale with my business and make it a passion. Real estate just wasn't the thing for me at the time. 
But I do think long-term, like getting an apartment complex, a multifamily, something that is that is already quote unquote scaled because there's multiple units already there. It has higher potential for cash flow or positive cash flow. So that's something that I'm going to shoot for later. I wouldn't have to go the whole single family or fix and flip route to get the lump sums ready to build that. I'm going to use the stock market to get that type of income and then translate it into real estate. That's at least long-term goal for me. And I'm glad you said long-term goal at the end because I was going to kind of like caveat that with, you know, I think these different side hustles, businesses, discretionary incomes, passive income routes all have different barriers of entry and they also mm-hmm. have different payouts and different time frames. So there's probably some folks listening who have more of that slow game, that more, you know, I can give it five, 10 years or even a 30 year plan. And that mm-hmm. works in terms of, I mean, especially when with stocks, real estate, I mean, that's, I would say end game because that's where the compounded interest really works in your favor over yep. time, uh, much like the Grand Canyon, right? We all know that story, how it was formed. But let's say somebody has their their foot on the gas a little bit. Maybe it's more of an urgent situation where they're like, you know, I can't really stand my current setup for another six months. I need an option. I need a route to make money, turn this into my full-time gig ASAP, and then start getting discretionary income. What would you say for somebody who's looking to replace an income, not necessarily add on a stream of income. Yeah. I mean, that one, it would probably be a business or trading and that requires uh, stock market trading, right? For me, that's been kind of the first transition that I made that and the coaching, but like it was really creating a business or doing trading where you can kind of free up the time. Because like I said, you want to leave your corporate job and have something still making money. Obviously, the risk is going to be inherent when you when you trade and you have to know what you're doing and you have to sometimes get lucky and and there's a bunch of you know disclaimers that you probably have to add to all person people who are traders. But I would say that's been the best avenue for me because I've understood the principles of it and I've been able to okay if I want to take a week off I can or I can be more of a passive like swing trader for a certain month while I take a mini vacation. Something like that has allowed me to remove the time element from my calendar mm-hmm. without having to lower my you know my lifestyle or my income levels or something like that so that's been the best one it does take time to learn but every skill does right and on the converse side running a business that preferably would be online because i think every business needs to have either an online component in today's world or be fully online because mm-hmm you don't want to be tied to a certain location. What if you move? What if people move? What if everybody goes remote again with this new variant? Like, There's too many things now in today's world for you not to be able to do things online. And the market is there for it. Nobody's really scared of doing online shopping for any product or service at this day and age. Yeah. And I would encourage a lot of folks to build their email list and build their own list of customers because mm-hmm. you could have a million followers on Facebook, but if Facebook... Like when Facebook went down that one day for hours, you couldn't reach your audience. So understanding Mm -hmm. that having your own bank of people and customers is going to be hugely, hugely beneficial. I love setting up a target for people because I've gotten the question in terms of like, listen, man, like, you know, I'd love to do, you know, this one side business, but I only have X amount saved up. This is the other thing. So I love talking about the barrier of entry for different things. Like when you mentioned getting into Airbnb. Imagine mm-hmm. there is a barrier of entry into getting a property, whether it was owned or leased or whatnot, and then mm-hmm. setting up, I guess, the process that would lead to the income on the other end. 
What would you say is a good estimate for someone to save up or a good target for someone to want to spend towards starting their journey towards that business? Because I think it's important to note that a lot of times there's two things that we could use to start a business, time or money. Mm -hmm. We either have an abundance of one or the other. Very rarely do you have an abundance of both. But if you are stuck with one of those options, let's say your time is limited and you're making a pretty decent salary, or maybe you're thinking, let me skip Starbucks for for one day a week or something like that. However you want to come up with the money, what would be a good aim for folks to get to where it's like, okay, I could put this much towards learning trading, for example. Like, Let's say I'm just throwing out $1,000. Okay. Mm -hmm. I could throw $1,000 and see if this trading thing works. If I lose it all, I lose it all. But in the $1,000, if I learn what I'm doing, we're in the money. What would you say Mm -hmm. is a good threshold to go for? So like for trading, I think a couple hundred on material books and stuff like that is first. I mean, so a good swing trade is like 10 to 20%, right? So if you want something to be profitable as a side business versus replace your income are two different questions, right? Like trading as an income, you probably would need something like 100,000 unless you're doing weekly options or something extremely risky. But like to learn everything would be a couple hundred dollars. But like, for example, a low barrier entry that I first started with was like the Airbnb. So you do a rental arbitrage where you rent it from a landlord and then sublease it out via Airbnb. All you need is, I mean, the first month rent deposit, right, for the landlord and then furnishing the house, which you could do quite cheaply these days if you pick the right spots and you figure it out. So like, I think mine overall was like 5000 Mm-hmm to start it up first month. And then obviously every month you have the rent due and the utilities due. But if you are able to have, I think it's 16, 17 days occupancy, then you're break even. And normally you get like 25 days. So there's that eight days of profit that you then make. So I would say that's probably the lower barrier of entry. It's probably why a lot of people have been doing this recently. And I think if you have the patience for it, because timing wise, it's really not that much. You can hire a cleaner, and then you, once you set it up furniture-wise and utility-wise, you're pretty much done. All you have to do is respond back to messages, which you could do on your phone, which doesn't take that long, and then manage bookings. You could hire a VA. <laughs> you could do that for $3 an hour. <laughs> and uh, so like, it's, it's quite cheap in terms of buried entry, but you're making not that much. right? Let's say you're making $500 a month per property. Sometimes like 800 1000 let's say. That may not be a lot to some people, but... It, it's easy just to take that $1,000 a month that you're making by in the next month, all of a sudden you've had another Airbnb and then you start scaling it. So I know a couple of people who have done that. And I mean, it's perfectly so small barrier, eventually like 5,000. And then all of a sudden you look back a year later, they have six properties that are generating about 5,000 a month cash flow, and they're good to go. Like that's all they really need. And then they could just scale and do whatever they want after that. Yeah, no, and that's awesome. And that's a great option for a lot of folks listening and everything. And as we're coming up to the end of the podcast, Sammy, I like to kind of highlight some of the storms that we get through and help give some application to some of the listeners in terms of how to get through some of their hard times. So with whatever it might be, whether it be in business, in your career, or in your personal life, what's a storm that you've gotten through? How did you get through it? And what were the lessons that you got from it? Something that kind of sticks with you were like, you know, I know I can, I can do what's in front of me because I got through X. Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) 
I think it's that one job that I had where I had the leadership that I didn't really get along with. I tried to take a few days off to attend a conference and learn. Actually, it was about real estate and Airbnb at the time. And I kind of got shunned, if you will. Like the leadership didn't really see why it's important. They're like pretty much told me to my face, why would you do something like that? That's dumb. Why would you take a day off and do that? And I was like, it was something I'm interested in. But in my back of my mind, I was like, I can't work with here anymore. Like that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're not supporting somebody who wants to grow, then, then that doesn't make any sense. So it really kind of altered my whole perspective of corporate in general. So like I said, started following into a little bit of, of a lull in my reading, in my gym, in my day-to-day activities, like that energy that I had and the drive seemed to be sapped because my identity was like, I was in conflict. And when I figured out, I ended up leaving that job and figured out that, you know, I did constant reflection. Honestly, the best way I did it was while I was driving, I wouldn't listen to anything. Normally I listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. but I would listen to nothing and just reflect. And so I would reflect, why is this affecting me? Why am I, why am I so tied to this identity? And every day I would just do that. And then it coincided with me leaving, but eventually I came to the factor that I'm more than just one role. You know, they say it all the time, it's cliche, but you're a piece of everything that you do. So I just started thinking of myself like that and not whatever my title and my role is, it's just what I'm doing and I could be doing anything. So that really helped me overcome identity crisis and and existential crisis that I kind of felt like I had maybe a little bit on a smaller scale, but still definitely impacted a lot of things. So now when I ever have something that doesn't really go wrong or like, oh, this is failing and Okay. I mean, it's fine. I know what I am and I know how to overcome that because I know how myself will not lose the drive because I'm more than just the one thing that I'm currently working on. Yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. And I could, I could relate to the whole journey where I used to play music and then I Mm -hmm. started playing podcasts and then audio books. And there are Mm -hmm. times where I will drive and just enjoy the silence Mm -hmm. and reflect a little bit because I think so many of us live in a world where we are bombarded by notifications, sounds, interruptions, mm-hmm. and distractions that we forget to clear the clutter and listen to ourselves. And oh, yeah. if we never take that time, we're never going to silence the noise. We're never going to get through the clutter and we're never going to get to our true identity, which will then lead us towards that life that we say so badly that we want. Sammy, mm-hmm. this has been a hugely valuable and impactful 30 minutes. I definitely want to make sure that our guests can continue to connect with you, follow up with you, even check out your podcast and, and get some of the amazing value from there. So how can folks follow you, man? Sure. So the podcast is called Successful Millennials Podcast. It's on every platform. Wherever you're listening to this one, you can listen to that one as well. Instagram, I was probably the most active social media that I have. It's FinanceZilla. But if you want to shoot me an email, talk more, let's crush your goals together, whatever you want to do, you can shoot me an email at financial at Gmail as well. And I'll respond back to you relatively quickly. I'm pretty active there as well. Nice. Yeah. Those are the three spots. You're probably a lot better with me. I'm terrible with my emails, man. <laughs> I'm like a 20. It's on my phone, man. man. That's the problem. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. But hey, Sammy, I think this was huge, man. Very, very valuable. I'm going to recap some of the uh, the tips and the gems that you left along the way, because I know a lot of folks are probably busy while listening to some of these episodes, or sometimes they're not always available to write down some notes, but experience versus things. I loved when you said that in terms of, you know, a lot of us put material items in priority because we think it's going to give us joy. How many times do we buy the latest iPhone or the newest drop of the sneaks that come out, the newest J's that come out? But at the end of the day, 
holding off on some of those things could also help us invest in the experiences that we will take with us, not not the material things that will kind of corrode and, and break apart. Identity gets vulnerable when you connect it to a job title. Your identity becomes vulnerable when you connect it to an income level. Finding out who you truly are is going to require self-reflection, as we mentioned, and really finding what is lacking. And is it a lack of want? Because sometimes, like Sammy mentioned, love Dave and Goggins too. The dude's a beast running 100 miles. No, thank you. Yep. (laughs) And that's me saying with 100% confidence, if I decided to do a 100-mile race, I would probably be able to, I wouldn't do it like David Goggins. I would train, I would get ready for it, but I probably would be able to train for it, get ready for it, start it and finish it. I'm confident. I just have no interest in doing it. No, thank Mm -hmm. you. And then first things first, the book by, uh, remind me who it was by Sammy. Stephen Covey. By Stephen Covey. Uh, I'm going to make sure to have that link because I, I do love reading as well. I haven't read that one. But if you guys are looking to really start your journey, I think reading is something that's important that we all should do. So hop into those books and look for those non-fictional books that others have recommended or others have benefited from because that could lead you down a very profitable path. And of course, when Sammy said, I read because of the outcome. I don't like to read either, but when you know what the outcome is, when you know the service of it, you're more likely to do it. Much like Mm -hmm. the outcome of that life that you want to live so bad, Sammy and myself want you to live it. We actually left the episode with a lot of tips at the end for setting up some discretionary income, multiple streams of income, or replacing your income. Things that Sammy's worked on, things that I'm currently working on. And of course, hopefully you guys can get some benefit from that too. But whatever it is, make the decision to go after it, do the reflection. And of course, those choices you make day in and day out will amount to the life that you end up building. Guys, thank you again for making it to the end of the episode. Sammy, thank you so much for the value today. If you guys got value and you know someone who would love it too, feel free to share it with them because it would mean the world to us. That is the best compliment you can give us. Mm -hmm. And also make sure you subscribe. You can get a new episode each and every single week. You leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing because that's the only way we improve and we get better and better thanks to you guys. And if you love the podcast so much, you can get some extra content from our guests like Sammy and others by subscribing to our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. Guys, with that being said, I'll leave you with those famous words we always say at the end. Everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.